0: Welcome to the In Every Place podcast, the show that brings you the story beyond the headlines of what God is doing around the world today. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: Well, Ben Fitzgerald, welcome to the In Every Place podcast. So honored to have you here with us today.
0: Yeah, it's a great joy to be here with you, Sam. Thank you so much for having me on all the way from Europe.
1: Yes. Yep. You're from Europe talking to someone in Waco, Texas. Uh, Well, Ben, it's a huge honor to have you on. Something that we love hearing, you know, the big global things that God's doing, but it all starts in the lives of an individual, uh, which is something I love about Jesus. Ben, could you share with us just as we kind of go into hearing more about what God's doing of uh, how did you come to meet the Lord? Uh, Where were you at in life? Share with us a little bit more Of what your coming to Jesus testimony uh, looks like?
0: Yeah, well, um, you know, I had a praying mother, and I'm sure there's probably people out there who watch this or hear this that had the same kind of thing. And, you know, they're like a hound dog. I'd rather have the mafia against me than a praying mother because she's (laughs) going to get you, you know, like, and uh, I was very, very far away from God. My father was a missionary. He went to work with Reinhard Bonnke when I was a little kid, but sadly, through um, a very extreme set of circumstances. When I was 10 years of age, my father committed suicide and I came home and, and I actually found him dead. In fact, the night before I went away with my mother and my sister and brother and my father was at home alone, my dad had told me to catch him a fish and I believe it was supernatural because I was a 10 year old kid, I didn't know how to fish. And all of a sudden I had this little hand reel that my mom got me, the one you do by hand as a little kid. And I put it over the pier and this is the night before and I caught a fish and I, it was like, I was so, I love that fish so much, you know, and I slept with it. Actually, my mom was a bit angry that I had like wrapped a newspaper, but I, uh, the next morning I came back into the house. We drove home. It was the first night we'd been out of the house for quite some time, many years actually, because my father wasn't doing well uh, mentally. And so we came back and I ran inside and said, dad, dad, I caught you a fish. You know, I was just screaming, dad, you know, I got a fish. And he didn't answer and I ended up in the, the bedroom with him with the fish and and I said, Dad and he just didn't answer at all. And so I just came in and touched him and he was ice cold. I knew even as a kid, I just knew he was he was dead, something was wrong. And, and so I dropped the fish and I actually from that point in my life, I just began to run. I literally that day I ran, the police found me several hours later. And that's kind of what happened there. in here, in the soul, in my heart. I just began to run and I had a praying mother and she was just, she just wouldn't let go of me, but I started to get very deep into sin. In fact, I ended up um, being addicted to prostitutes very much like a Luke 15 kind of prodigal son, you know, addicted to prostitutes from the age of, I wasn't addicted from 10, but from the age of 10 until 20, I lived completely in the world and I lived and just gave total rights to the, the you know, the first Adamic nature of sin and, uh, and mixed sin with grief and you have a volatile cocktail, you know, and uh, I was just so broken that I tried to prop up my identity and, and fake that I was tough and, and got into dealing drugs and all this crazy stuff. But one day, again, it was through a lot of prayer. My mother would, you know, I'd go to the house and hide drugs at her house when I was 20. And, um, you know, and I've been living out of home by this point. A lot of stuff happened where I left home at 14. And, you know, I kind of was living a, a, a very independent life from since my father's death, basically. And I wouldn't let anybody in, you know, like I wouldn't that that the the pain of my dad's suicide, he was like my hero, Sam. You know, so something happened in me that I don't know what it was, but it was like the grief took over me, you know. And and again with sin, it's just it happens that way. So I'd been living at a home many years, but I used to hide drugs at my mother's house, and she would um, grab me and she'd go, "I know what you're doing. I know what you're up to." She would sometimes turn the you know a room over or something and try and find the the drugs that I was hiding there. Um, But she'd get me in the hallway and she'd say, I'm praying for you. And she goes, God has told me you're going to go around the world and preach the gospel. And she goes, listen to me, Ben. She goes, you can't run from God. And the demons in in my life would just kind of get afraid of my mother you know, and and say, just run, get out of the house. And and I wouldn't want to be around her. And um, to cut a long story short, those prayers, the Lord answered her. And Mm. I was in a nightclub at four o'clock in the morning. My girlfriend worked at that club. I used to spend quite a significant amount of time there. But something like over the, probably the period of six months, I just felt empty all the time. Like the the ways of sin wouldn't fill me like they used to fill me. I felt numb all the time. And uh, I wasn't taking drugs really sometimes, you know, occasionally, but I was more trying to have money and women and prostitute stuff and, and, and all that sexual addiction, all the crazy stuff I had. Um, it wasn't working anymore. Like there was no... I just felt dead inside. And then one day at four in the morning, it was like my eyes were opened and I saw in this nightclub and it's dark as lights, it's thumping music, you know. I saw all these people kind of rubbing against each other and and smoking and and, and people, you know, people do cocaine there a lot. And it just, I saw it. It's like, I saw it. I'm like, what are we doing here? It's like, God lifted this veil off me. And I was like, why are we here? Why am I, why am I here? And, and I, I was like, something's wrong. I was like, this isn't what we were born for, like human beings. And I was like, that girl's with that guy right now. That guy could be a rape. But like, she doesn't know him. She's going to go home with this, this person who's dark. And I knew how dark I was, you know, and how much I hurt people. So I told my girlfriend, I said, I'm going home. She goes, are you okay? I said, no. I said, all this is fake. I said, we're, we're, it's not real. We're looking for, for significance and, or something like that, to that effect, I said to her. And so I left yeah. and at 4.15 in my house at home by myself. I just uh, flicked on the TV for a minute and I lit up a cigarette and I was just sitting there by no one there at all, just by myself with a cigarette in my hand. And I, I used to turn lights off a lot. I didn't like natural light. I used to regularly go to bed at four and five AM and wake up at two and three in the afternoon. And then as I had a cigarette there in the left side of the room, something came through the wall. I can't explain it any better than that. Like I wasn't high. I was as sober as I probably have ever been. I could feel this presence come in the left side of the room. And I knew after a few minutes or like, you know, pondering, I'm like, what's going on? I knew it's Jesus. I knew it's Jesus. And then it's like, it filled the whole room with, with life. And and then all of a sudden Jesus spoke to me, you know, with a cigarette there, like he spoke to me. And the very first things he began to say were things like Ben, my son, you know, he said, open your heart to me. And I, and I, it was kind of like thundering through my Inward, you know, like your subconscious, like when you forget milk, you're like, you know, your mind tells you your voice. I need to get milk. I forgot milk. But his voice, it was another voice in me. And it was going all through me. Honestly, Pastor Sam, one of the first thoughts I had was, how can God be speaking inside me when I'm not a Christian? That was like, I know that's probably a stupid thought. Probably the Holy Spirit was there like going, duh, he's God. He can speak wherever he wants. But I was just like, I'm so dirty. And I knew how bad I was and um and so and he said i love you and he spoke to me jesus spoke to me for one hour and began to tell me what i would do with my life and interestingly he began to tell me the same things my mother said to me and uh, and and he spoke to me he said i've called you to preach my gospel and uh and he didn't really talk to me much about sin he spoke to me about his love and and who he is and all of a sudden i'm thinking of paul the apostle and all these scriptures i learned as a kid they're all flying back into my head and so I had this kind of one hour dialogue with the Lord, and it washed me. Now, I don't think I was born again at that point, but like Jesus said in John 17, sanctify them by thy truth, thy word is truth. And his word, just hearing it, sanctified me somehow in that moment. And um, my girlfriend came home like an hour later, and she heard two words come out of my mouth she'd never heard before. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for all the things I've done, you know? And she's like, what happened to you? Are you okay? And I said, I said, yes, I said, I met Jesus. And she thought she freaked out a little bit, but um, I met the Lord. And at that point, you know, I knew I'd met Jesus and I opened my heart to him. So I uh, someone gave me a little Gideon's Bible. And from that point, I was reading it four hours a day. Like I was just reading, reading, reading the scriptures, people would still come around to get drugs and I'd sell them pills and then kind of give them the gospel as well. You know, like I, I sort of, I, I ruined the environment that I lived in because my girlfriend, she couldn't deal with it anymore. So she got born again. And um, and these other people, they wanted me out of the house, these other drug people and you know, cause I was just a different man. And uh, and then I was baptized and shortly after I was baptized I felt like I was delivered of evil spirits and, and I just began to preach the gospel every day I took the word that he gave me seriously. There was no YouTube back then. And his word to me was preach the gospel. And he said, I'll have mercy on multitudes of people when you preach the gospel as I've had mercy on you. So I just began to do that every day on the street, took my little Gideon's Bible, just went out there and met people and uh, and just began loving on people as I read it in the scriptures. Wow.
1: Then that's, that's nothing short of amazing uh, to hear that story. Um, so maybe connect, connect the dots for us on uh, that happened so many years ago. How do you go from, from you're going out on the streets, sh- sharing Jesus to now you're in Europe, where, where'd you go in between there and uh, tell us about your experiences of, of beginning to uh, travel and, and experiencing multitudes, things like that.
0: Yeah, I, um, well, I had to sort of get a job and have to have a kind of normal life when I first got saved. And I did that because I didn't have a job before for years, but I did that for a while. And, and um, you know, I still had a bit of a, like, I was born of God. It was clear the power of the spirit of the Lord was on my life, but I was being sanctified for sure. I had a lot of pride and had a lot of stuff that needed to be worked out. So Bill Johnson, a pastor from Redding, California, came and visited Melbourne, Australia, where it's where I'm, I'm from a town near there. And so I heard him preach and i would heard a lot of people preach, but for some reason, when I was first saved, I could sort of feel like some things are fake Christianity or some things are not, it's not genuine gospel. Like it's not, it's not really powerful. It just sort of sounds like heady, intelligent sayings. And I didn't want that. I I wanted God to use me and and to really, because I felt his power, you know? So when I met Bill, I was like, this is one of the first people I met many other amazing Christians, don't get me wrong, but like this was one of the first kind of ministers that I met who I felt was um, like he wasn't just talking, I could feel God with him, you know. And so I was really stunned at the presence of God in, in the meetings and, and the things Jesus was doing, healing people, and it was really quite profound. So I said, like I, I said one day i he talked about his school. I said, one day I want to go to your school. And several years later, I was working in a telecommunications company and I was in a huge mall in Melbourne, Australia. Now, this would never happen. This would be as strange as in Waco, Texas. If just imagine you walking down a mall and this happening. I knew this was God. I was walking down the mall and, uh, and I just felt to stop. And you've all probably had that experience where you just, for some reason, turn your head to the right and your friends there across the road. You don't know what made you turn. Probably it's the spirit of God in you. But um, you know, or, or I don't know what it is, but somehow we turn, oh, there you, my friend's here. Or just weird coincidences. Well, I stopped in a giant mall. I just looked down and there's a brand new $100 bill there on the ground and it's a US $100 bill. And so I was like, uh, I looked at I picked it up, it's American. And, so, and God said, as soon as I picked it up, he said, if you go to America, I'll give you a hundredfold return and I'll give you a life back. And so um, I went to America and the Lord began to, to use that school of ministry, Bethel, as a real tool of, of kind of healing me a lot of things of my dad and, and also kind of yielding me more and surrender and, and sort of preparing me for ministry and to be in terms of like an ordained minister. But I was ministering on the streets all the time before that, but I, um, I was there prepared. And then from that point, I became a pastor in Bethel. And that was a r- real great honor to be there for several years pastoring and and um, an evangelist kind of past, you know, preaching as well yeah. on the street um, and leading outreaches. And then one day I went with a friend of mine. Uh, we did some conferences in Europe. A friend of mine named Todd White. And he's, a, he's also from Texas, actually, and at the moment. So he lives there, but he's originally from um, another from Pennsylvania. But we went to Germany. It was our first trip ever to Germany. And we're not we're not known. This is like before. Todd was known before I had any kind of um, you know, being known by anyone in Germany. And we we went to a field, and the field was where Hitler spoke. And Todd, by nature, he just sings out loud a lot in public, and you know, and, and he's very bold, and so and so am I. So we were sort of at the field yelling, Jesus, you know, <laughs> come and come and save Europe, and just some kind of you know, a good-hearted, passionate prayer. But my eyes were open in that moment when we were praying as I stood at Hitler's field where it's not his field, it's where he used it, it's God's field, but he used it to basically call hundreds of thousands of people in Germany and raise up an army there, and it's in a city called Nuremberg, but when I got this vision, it was like a mind's eye vision, my eyes were open, I saw people, Sam, from all over Europe, like blonde hair, blue eyes, Norwegian looking people, and then I saw like thousands of people in front of me, and um, and some were like brown sort of spanish looking german looking they, they had different looking features and they were all crying out one thing god take back europe god save mm. europe and this really hit me you know really like it, it really I, I i had a clear um i could envision this clearly like and i could hear him like saying you know god take back europe and i was like i said todd i think god actually wants to do something here bro and and he goes, I, I saw the same thing. He goes, this place is going to be packed full of people. And, and so from that time, um, I went back to Reading, told my team there, the Bethel team, and and they were very, um, they're a great leadership team. They, they don't crush the the visions or dreams of people at all. They, they're very much, they're like, okay, let's see what God does. And let's see if his hand is upon this. And so one year or just over a year later, without any favor, without any, there was no knowledge of us in the German churches. in an, And Germans have very denominational church culture, you know, and uh, and it's not a huge, to be quite honest with you, population of Christianity in a country of 84 million. It's quite a low, um, you know, maybe one or 2% would say that they're in, in church. And so without any favor, we end up in a stadium right next to the field. And it was also a stadium that Hitler used, the same one he used. And it was exactly seventy years after the war passed the same. Exactly. Almost to the same month where like, well, same week, sorry where the Nuremberg trials ended the war. And this was in Nuremberg where Hitler used to drive around and raise up his army of evil. Jesus then took that same ground and raised up a great army and some 27,000 people came to the first meeting. And I mean, that's like, I know that doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but that's like seeing half a million people come in America, like because of just the church population. And Jesus really did something very profound. And the whole thing was four days of in the stadium about him. Like you could just sense the, the majesty of Jesus and the greatness. And the, and the Germans were chanting and smashing the banisters of the stadium. Like, and people are telling me, Germans, they're like shaking other people on our team. And they're crying, weeping. They're saying, our, our, our churches never do this. Germans don't do this. This reaction, it's, it's got to be God. And they're shouting for wow. hours, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus in the very same place. And something broke over Germany. Something really broke over the churches of Germany. And from that point, um, all these outreaches begin to happen all over Germany. Churches decided from now we do weekly outreaches. It was just something changed in the atmosphere of the church. And not to mention the greatest news was that two and a half thousand people, European people were born again in wow. those days and, and came to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's how awakening began. And that kind of was the call that God gave me to move over to Europe. Wow,
1: absolutely amazing! And I think a couple things. I think would people, I think a lot of people who'd be listening, they might be aware of, or maybe not, of hey, currently in Europe, the it's it's not a, uh, or maybe post-Christian would be something that people would be uh, perhaps aware of. But hearing you say, hey, these nations that have so much history of Jesus doing things uh, in there and through those nations, currently have a a, a church popular not church population. Excuse me. A uh, uh, the amount of people in these countries that are professing Jesus as Lord is one to two percent, which is crazy. So I You're appreciate right. you saying, hey, when we gather almost thirty thousand people in a stadium to to sing and shout the name Jesus, this is a sign and a wonder in itself in, in these nations. Are in Germany? Um, so the stadium event happens. Ten percent of the people who come give their lives to Jesus. And that's when you knew, hey, God's about, God's doing something here. And, and so you guys uh, say, hey, we, we need to live here. We need to plant ourselves here. Uh, and Ben, how many years ago was this?
0: This was in 2015. And then I went back to Reading afterwards. And, you know, the whole family, church family, like, this is awesome. And, and I was like, it was pretty historic. And so from there, I just kept feeling pulled. I'm like, I want to go back to Europe. I was there for about four more months in In uh, in Reading, and I was just like, I need to go back. This is the start of something. So, we hit our next city from there, and we decided to go to Stockholm, one of the most atheist cities in the whole of Europe. And um, again, like, just to give a context, we did one event in in Prague, the nation of Prague. This is a good context, Pastor Sam, of how God is preparing the field, not not us, not our minute, nothing nothing to do with us, but these people praying that I saw. God, take back Europe. The Lord has heard them, and we did one event in Prague, and. We saw around 12,000, people come. The church, like the, the church of population, again, it's, it's about who professes Christ. I fully understand why you said that. But, but just so you know, like we would meet with denominational heads and they go, okay, we know exactly out of all these denominations, how many people go to church? Mm. And I'm like, okay, how many people in a nation of 10.1 million people, Prague, a Czech Republic? It's, and that's where John Huss came from, the reformer. Yes. They'd say, well, we have 25,000 people in our churches in the whole country. And I'd say, I remember one time I was like, excuse me, I thought I'd heard wrong. And they're like 25,000. I said, why didn't you tell me this when we we're planning the stadium we've been six months into meetings? Yeah. And I'm like, what if we, we weren't at the event yet, but I'm like, why didn't you tell me this? Because then I started to worry. I'm like, there's only 25,000 Christians in the whole country. And um, the Lord drew you know, half of them. It was pretty phenomenal with what happened. But the craziest part is the amount of people that take place in the outreach thousands go to the streets They've never been to the streets before and they go for days and days on end you know they go out there preaching everything called flood Prague or flood narrowboat. we do these things called floods where we just basically fill the streets with jesus people but i will never forget one encounter i had when i walked from the stadium to our hotel we hadn't even started the event yet it was the night before and i was walking back with one of my colleagues and and uh, getting everything ready in there and just praying in there at night, getting things ready. But I walked across the road and as I walked towards the the hotel area, there's like a beer outdoor sort of thing, you know, where they have food and beer. This is in in Prague. And the spirit of God spoke to me as we walked past the the place. Now they're talking in Czech. I don't understand what they're saying. But he said to me, he said, stop that table. There was a couple of tables outside, he said, stop that table and tell them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus is real. So I did, I said, hey, does anyone here speak English? And one of them did, I think. And, and I said, hey, I felt to just stop right now and tell you that Jesus is real, that Jesus loves all of you. And Sam, this is the profound thing about what God is doing in Europe. We think it's becoming secularized. The statistics show that it is, but the Lord is preparing people for the harvest. These guys drop their beer like this and they're shocked. All of them, they start talking in Czech and they're shocked. I mean, the guy looks like he's seen a ghost. And he said, how did you, did you understand Czech Czech, um, language? I said, no. And he said, how did you know what we were talking about? I said, I didn't. And he said, we were just having a discussion. Is God real? Is there a God? Is he, is he, who is he? You know, and, and I and it just hit me. And I end up sitting with them, and we talked for you know quite some time. But it just hit me. We all gave them free tickets to come next to the stadium right there. You, know, <laughs> if you can come. So you know, it hit me the reality of yes, there's so much you know humanism and stuff has crept in in a crazy way, but the Lord is moving upon the European continent like never before. I believe it. And so, yeah, there's something very special taking place. And for anyone listening, you may even have European roots. It's just a great time of courage for this continent.
1: Amen. And you know, that's, that's what, oh, man, I'm just getting emotionally even saying it. What I, I feel so honored, even in hearing it, and I feel like, hey, here's the general sentiment, even why I, I initiate with people to have these, these conversations is that it's so easy to be caught up in whatever the headline is, or whatever the, the general, hey, here's the stats and where it can feel, you know, hey, it's on an unmovable trend, or here's the, the trending deal that somehow is, is the greater impact influencer and as much as that is people's experience on social media or whatever if, whatever people are engaging in i think my concern or this is what i feel like my eyes are being open to is jesus is always looking at the heart and seeing what following headlines and trends what that can do to the hearts of people let alone the hearts of believers and jesus to uh to miss what's right in front of him. And I think that's, that's why I, I, what I love is just saying again, he's not, he hasn't left. He's not leaving. He's not, uh, uh, he's not declined in his desire and his ability to, uh, to save and heal and deliver uh, people all over the place. Um, So, and, and, and man, I just, I, I love hearing that story. And, you know, I think of, uh, well, I think it's Acts 17. He's put it in the hearts of men to, to so that they, to ask these questions, so that we might seek Him, that we might find Him, uh, in every nation, all around. Um, so, so a couple more questions here, Ben. So, obviously, 2020 has been all over the place, um, in in so many different respects, with everything with COVID and, and lockdowns, all that kind of stuff. As, as you've traveled, and as what what has your experience been when it comes to uh, what you feel like God's saying in this hour to b- believers everywhere? Again, I'm not uh, not looking for. I know people can be kind of all over the place on on that, but more so the hey in our hearts. Here's what I'm I believing Jesus for, or what He would want us to uh, uh, lay hold of in this season through this, uh, that we would get on the other side of this thing in a place of strength, not a, a place of, uh, man, our legs got wiped out from underneath us. Um, does, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, very much so. You know, at the beginning of 2020, I mean, I was ministering pretty full on. And actually kind of, to be honest with you, maybe like you and others, I don't know if you feel this way, but many, minister, many, many ministers around the world, men and women I know are pretty thankful for 2020 because <laughs> they got a, a bit of a rest. rest. You know? Yes, I was traveling 200 days a year. So I was like, I'm thankful for a little bit of a rest, but it's been a tough and challenging year for many people. And I feel like the biggest challenge hasn't necessarily been like, will my job be secure? Will my, um, you know, do I have to take a vaccine, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, Mm. I don't think that's the challenge. The Lord showed me in the beginning of the year around March, when all this stuff started to sort of blow up. He said, be careful of distraction. He said, keep your eyes on me, Ben. Mm. And I believe this whole year has been very much for believers a temptation to be distracted and to be distracted from intimate union with him and, and knowing like, we're not of this world. We're here. And we're here to make a big dent in the enemy's camp. And we're here to bring people who need him to see him. You know, we're here for that. But we're not here to be so caught up in the narrative of the world that it actually begins to slay our intimate peace and our intimate love and joy with God. And and it starts to take us off course and, and stops us actually preaching the gospel. And so I know that we've actually been called this year, I believe, to prepare instead of to be in a place of distraction. And, uh, and that's what I really sense God saying to me. He said, prepare. And a few things the Lord said to me have been really clear this year. He said to me, prepare because persecution is coming to the Western church. Now, he's never said that to me before. And um, and I don't like to say that as a prophecy, but he told me. And I'm not going to say God didn't tell me because I, I know his voice. And he said, persecution. He said, worse things will come. But the beautiful thing is, again, like all of this is is like what the world is doing and what the fear is doing, it's trying to distract us off course. The beautiful thing is we have a foundation that is never shaken, even though everything else is. And that makes the gospel and the purity and the person of Jesus look so much more powerful. And I literally just read two or three days ago where, you know, when Jesus first came, when you, when you read the new Testament, it says that people longed for the Messiah because the Roman procuration was over Israel and they longed. It's in the book of Luke They longed for the Messiah. I didn't read it actually, sorry, forgive me for saying that. I just remembered, I actually watched it on the Jesus. Um, I was watching the book of Luke on the video. I did not read it, but I, I thought I did. I watched the book of Luke um, on, a, on a video, but it's scripture, word for word book of Luke. And it says that people groped and longed for the Messiah because of the Roman procuration. So, right now for me, I'm thinking, Sam, all the time of the harvest. All I'm thinking of is this stuff. It looks fake. It looks like there could be, like, it's, I'm not saying disease, but like everything looks like it's so shakable. And Jesus looks so perfectly yes. pure and so yes. ready and, and, and people are opening their eyes and the same thing happened here when the communism thing happened where, the, where communism came down people were ready to receive Jesus the same thing when the Berlin Wall came down people went in evangelists went in people were ready to receive Jesus because they felt like they'd been under some kind of tyranny or some suppression people feel the same way with fear now fear and death fearing COVID so I'm an opportunist, an opportunist by nature, and I want to um, make the most of this time. But my word for the church is this, prepare yourself in what you believe with you in the Lord, build your life fully and on the foundation of his teachings, because there may come a time in the Western world where we're persecuted simply for believing the gospel we believe. And you need to know where you stand with the Lord. The fear of man is a snare, but the fear of God is life and life. It's freedom. And so that's my word to the church. And the other word is don't be distracted, you know, like this year, all the stuff that comes up, people researching hours and hours, so many conspiracy things. I felt the Holy Spirit like, be careful, don't go too much into that. Stay close to me. Wow. So there are the things I've been I don't know if
1: that's right, but no. see. <laughs> hey, re- it resonates with me in a huge way, uh, and I, I think it's beyond being an opportunist. It's seeing the 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 power of the gospel of saying this yeah. this can be the finest hour ever uh, when you yes. see the you see the hole in the human heart, you see the sh- how how everything how easily it can be shaken, and and how yes. we are, all are longing for His unshakable kingdom. Yeah. Um, and, and Ben, maybe the last question here for you. It seems like, again, that there's so many loud voices out there, loud voices that try to present themselves as, you know, yeah. the person who's got the corner on the market or the authority in whatever the, the subject might be. And the fear of human opinions can, uh, can, can really can cause believers to s- step back, to be quiet, to, to, uh, to not actually... Uh, hold to the gospel in line with everything you were saying, what, what, what would you say to saying, hey, not just the need of uh, being set free from that place of fear, but as you are, are leading other teams in the streets, everything you were sharing about uh, experiences in Europe, leading other people, uh, what, what would you say to that place of saying hey, it's time for uh, the freedom to come in that place of fear of human opinion?
0: Well, you know, I think that we only fear man and we only fear human opinion when we're actually deriving something from them as a source. It's a form of manipulation, really. Because if you're, you're trying to keep something, you know, you're trying to... Jesus didn't say, you know, in, in, in front of Pontius Pilate, he said, yeah, actually, I'm not the Messiah. You know, he, he, he said that I am the truth. And Pontius Pilate was shook up, but he needed nothing from Pontius Pilate. He said, for this reason, I came." And so he didn't have any, he wasn't trying to get out of the cross and, and he wasn't trying to, to find another way where humanity feeds him as a source. He, he knew his father and that's what we have to be like. We've got to remember, we're going to stand in front of Jesus. And also, you know, the beauty of being free of the fear of man is you actually love man more. Like you love people more because you're not trying to manipulate the relationship. You're not trying to tread on eggshell kind of things. And you're not doing that. Like I love it when I can just discuss freely what I believe with people, but actually walk in love with them not to try and dogmatically dictate them or whatever, but just to love on them and and preach Jesus to them. And so the church primarily has struggled so much with the fear of man over the years. And that's been the reason why Christian missional evangelism has taken a back seat because we think we're bothering people, but actually you're a great blessing to them. You're a blessing to a guy like me, a place where I was. We have many people even here in Germany being saved. One girl, she was saved recently and she worked in a doctor's surgery and she was far from God. I mean, so far we baptized her about a month ago and she's just burning now for Jesus. But this girl, she's so strong in her opinions. She's got such a, she had such a wall or whatever, you know, but now um, that wall has been broken down because our people started to share with her the love of Jesus constantly. And the fear of man is the very, it's the antithesis of that love for people that we're supposed to have because you're feeding on them liking you. And I'm so sorry to say it, but that foundation, it's so—it's just so shakable. I cannot be feeding on who likes me and who doesn't. I've got to get that foundation of standing on the love of the Lord Jesus and then the love for people. Correct. And that way I'll preach the truth and I won't bow my knee except to him. And the truth is we all will, won't be Pastor Sam, anyway? We will, we will bow our knee. And Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of me and my teaching, of him, the son of man, will be ashamed in that day in the presence of the angels. And I don't want to be... I don't wanna stand there and him be ashamed of of me because he's the one who died for me, not people. And, uh, And when you get that really starts to sit, sort of seep into your heart, you don't care as much about how many followers you have. You don't care about how many, you don't care so much about the things that the world says you should feed and build your life around. You begin to care for his heart and you begin to care, genuinely care for people. I've found so much inside me, the more I'm free of the fear of man, the more I genuinely love people. Yeah,
1: Amen, Amen. So, that last piece here, Ben. So, whenever uh, you know whatever's going on, I am sure you guys are looking to do more stadium gatherings. I who knows what the timeline on that would be. Tell us, hey, moving forward, here's here's what we're here's what we're shooting for. What we're believing the Lord's leading us in as far as uh, the rest of Europe in in the days ahead.
0: Yeah, well, a couple of quick things. Um, I'll make it fast. Thank you so much for your grace. I've given a lot of long answers.
1: (laughs) You're great, bro. Um,
0: Yeah. So a couple of quick things. Yes, we want to do major events again. We're working on one, but we do have to push it back because of everything with COVID. The event's called the Callback, and it's calling all people with European heritage back to the continent where the gospel was sent from. So the first missionaries to America and Europeans, when the Mayflower came over, came over with the Dutch gospel carrying fire breeding people. Um, The same thing with the Moravians, as you know, same thing with Scotland, Scottish people went to to china the very first time so we have a lot of people who have some kind of heritage to europe we're calling them back to come here for a week preach the gospel major stadium event happening in the netherlands and then we go out to 20 different cities around europe to bring the gospel to the streets there and uh, and so that's happening probably likely in the next it's very for sure it will be happening in the next 18 months Uh, we're just trying to work on when the date will be and the second thing is here, we, we also see the sustainable need for discipleship and preaching the gospel um, on a local level. So we're, we're planning on planting a base where we can train more people and probably likely have some church stuff in there. And yeah, so that's where we're headed awesome. in, in the coming years. And it's a great time to prepare, I guess, this, this season.
1: <laughs> yeah, but yes, that's the truth. And hey, uh, is there a website that people can jump onto to find that? Yeah,
0: it's just awakeningeurope.com
1: awakeningeurope.com. There you go. Hey, Ben, could you pray, just whatever the, the prayer of your heart is for everything you guys are doing, just that whoever's listening, that we would all say, let's all come into agreement with what God's doing uh, there with you guys in Germany, but then all over the continent as well. And even that place of saying, you know, taking even a minute to say, okay, what was my heritage? Where, where did I receive the gospel from? Should I go to that callback event as well? Uh, that we'd all agree with you and uh, we'll, we'll wrap up from there.
0: Yeah, Father, I thank you for every person listening and watching. Father, I thank you for their amazing hearts that love you. And I pray, Jesus, that you would just give to them that, that sense of that inward conviction where they can say, God, I'm going to fully trust you and not live in the fear of man. I'm going to bring the gospel to my workplace. I'm going to love people like I've never loved them before. I'm not going to worry or live in this fear or this tension of not being myself or hiding Jesus. And I pray, Father, that the fear of man will be broken off every individual listening to this podcast. They would sense that loving relationship with Jesus becoming a deeper, sedative foundation, uh, setting deeply in their heart, where they they build their life on that. And God, I ask you that you would call people, even to Europe, if there's people listening who feel like, actually, I have a heart for Europe and they want to get involved, they want to pray for Europe, or they want to support or come back or, or whatever. I pray, Father, you just speak to people that they would start to get a hunger again for what now is called the Dark Continent because you're breathing great light here. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for this city of Waco, Texas. I pray, Father, for all who listen to this podcast. I pray for the Spirit of God to come over the whole church. And I pray for the Spirit of God to come over those who are around Pastor Sam Mm. and the team, that they would start to hunger and thirst for their unsaved family and friends to know Jesus. And I pray, Lord, the gospel from this year onwards in 2021 would have great fruit in their country and in their city, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on the In Every Place podcast. To be notified of every new episode, hit the subscribe button wherever you choose to listen. If you found this story to be encouraging, please let us know by leaving a review and sharing this story with a friend.